Welcome to the heart of a friend. This is Andy Wygand. I hope our time together reminds us that we're all destined for more than what we've become. This is episode 43 and part six in our series on the soft power of listening. Listening well is important, following your curiosity, asking open questions, taking time to reflect, and inviting the other person to share more can transform all kinds of relationships. It's a soft power because it expresses respect, understanding, generosity, and compassion. It's not aggressive, but that doesn't mean it's weak or passive or ineffective. Soft power may sound like an oxymoron, but in in this episode, I'll make the case that listening has much greater potential to influence, persuade, change minds than direct confrontation and argument. If you have someone with whom you disagree, if you have someone you'd like to persuade to your point of view, your first, most effective, and most important duty is to listen well. Understand what they think and why. To demonstrate that above all else, you genuinely respect and care about them and where they're coming from. The old saying, people don't care what we know until they know what we care, is very true. And to listen well is the first step in caring. There's a diagram I saw years ago. It illustrates how people experience change, change in beliefs or behavior. I don't know where it came from, but it depicts exactly what I'm trying to say. Visualize it with me. It's a triangle or a pyramid. And at the top, in the small, narrowing section of the pyramid, are the words truth and action, to believe or act differently. But below that section is a much wider section of the pyramid. Below the narrowing top, truth and action, is the wide, expanding foundation and the words love, grace, respect, warmth, and empathy. For those who want to be agents of change in the lives of others, it starts with love and grace, respect, warmth, and empathy. Regardless of our differences, expressing respect, warmth, and empathy are prerequisites to bringing about change to a person's beliefs or actions. Again, people don't care what we know until they know that we care. And to listen well is the first step in caring. Persuasion begins here. To lay the groundwork for persuasion, first, show that you care by listening well. This principle applies across a wide range of situations. I'm going to use four examples. The first example is take a situation in which someone is angry. This is something I experienced with some regularity as a pastor over 40 years, you can imagine. Regardless of how deliberately decisions are made, regardless of how careful communication has been, regardless of how well the feedback loop's been working, there will always be people who are upset when there's change. How that anger's handled makes all the difference. Here's what's worked for me most of the time. I always try to conduct the conversation privately when it's possible, and it's important to let the other person talk without interruption. Use good listening skills by being attentive, nodding, reflecting, or paraphrasing what they're saying and feeling in that moment. 
Invite them to keep talking and get it all out in the open. Keep asking questions. This lets them know that you're trying to understand. Ask for their help in understanding why they feel so strongly about the issue. Ask for their suggestions about how the problem should be handled. All this allows the angry person to maintain control of the conversation. It allows them to fully express their concerns and their feelings, and they can feel that they're being heard, that their opinion and feelings matter to you. Well, nine times out of ten, listening well begins to diffuse the situation. By giving the other person the opportunity to talk it out and by showing that you care enough to hear them out, they automatically begin to feel better. On some occasions, this has been enough. I've said very little, but they walk out much more at peace. On other occasions, at the least, the temperature in the room has cooled down to the point where there can be more dialogue. We can talk about areas of agreement. We can agree about the principle they're trying to defend. If I've been at fault, I can ask for their forgiveness. And we can talk about steps going forward. I can express my appreciation for their honesty and courage to speak up. I can affirm my love and respect for them. These steps can all bring healing and restoration to a relationship. But it all begins with listening well. Persuasion begins here. Well, let's take a second situation, maybe one in which you're trying to make a sale. Well, maybe it's a business environment. Maybe you're just trying to get someone to rethink a course of action, buy a product or change a behavior. Listening well may be far more important than your sales pitch. Susan Cain, in her book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking, writes about the sales success of John Berghoff. Despite being socially awkward as a teenager, he began selling Cutco kitchen products door-to-door. In his first eight weeks on the job, he sold $50,000 worth of knives and went on to be the company's top representative from over 40,000 new recruits that year. Within a few years, he had recruited and trained 90 other sales reps and expanded territory sales 500% over the previous year. He now has his own company providing coaching and sales training. Well, the surprising part of the story is that John Berghoff is an introvert. According to Kane, quote, he turned his affinity for serious conversation and for adopting an advisory role rather than a persuasive one into a kind of therapy for his prospects. And John puts it this way, I discovered early on that people don't buy from me because they understand what I'm selling. They buy because they feel understood. John benefits from his natural tendency to ask a lot of questions and to listen closely to the answers. End quote. His sales success begins with his ability to listen well. Persuasion begins here. But we'll consider two more examples in just a few moments. I'll be back. So let's take a third situation in which someone has an opposing point of view from your own, say in politics or theology or family or parenting issues. 
The most common approach is to think of arguments that might persuade the other person to change their mind and begin by talking, making your case. This frontal assault on another person's beliefs is likely to backfire. It's counterproductive most of the time. Your arguments may, in fact, have the opposite effect. Adam Grant, in his book Think Again, discusses this likelihood in reference to measles vaccine debates. Quote, It seems that there's no logical argument or data-driven explanation that could shake their conviction that vaccines were unsafe. This is a common problem in persuasion. What doesn't sway us can make our beliefs stronger. Much like a vaccine inoculates our physical immune system against the virus, the act of resistance fortifies our psychological immune system. Refuting a point of view produces antibodies, let's say, against future influence attempts. We become more certain of our opinions and less curious about alternative views. End quote. Whereas Dale Carnegie, a few generations ago, put it more succinctly, you can never win an argument. So, what's the alternative? Adam Grant goes on to describe motivational interviewing. This technique was developed in the 1980s out of a need to persuade alcoholics and drug addicts to change their behavior. Well, traditional persuasion techniques didn't work. Instead, they all too often evoked resistance. A clinical psychologist, Bill Miller, and some colleagues changed their approach. Instead of arguing with clients, they, quote, started asking them questions and listening to their answers. They developed the core principles of a practice called motivational interviewing. The central premise is that we can rarely motivate someone else to change. We're better off helping them find their own motivation to change. Motivational interviewing starts with an attitude of humility and curiosity. We don't know what might motivate someone else to change, but we're genuinely eager to find out. End quote. Essentially, this means listening well, asking open-ended questions, engaging in reflective listening, and affirming the person's desire and ability to change. Adam Grant summarizes this way, quote, When we try to convince people to think again, our first instinct is usually to start talking. Yet the most effective way to help others open their minds is often to listen. End quote. Let me repeat those words. The most effective way to help others open their minds is often to listen. Persuasion begins here. Well, let's look at a fourth and last example. Take a situation in which you'd like to share about your religious faith. I'm pretty sure that many listening to this podcast are already followers of Jesus. And we have the best news in the world to share with others. But fewer and fewer of us share it. The idea of evangelism has become unpopular both in the church and in our culture. Numerous surveys have shown the decline in both the practice and social acceptability of sharing your religious convictions with others with the idea of changing their minds. Well, the reasons are complex. I won't take the time here to get into it, but one of the problems is the common stereotype about what it means to be a witness for Christ. I was sitting in Jimmy John's having a sub one day, and next to me on the wall was a plaque. 20 things it took me 50 years to learn. 
by Dave Barry. Well, I'm a fan of his humor and was amused to read all 20. But one was convicting and, quite frankly, made me sad. Here it is, quote, People who want to share their religious views with you almost never want you to share yours with them, end quote. Ouch. Let's face it. We often come across as arrogant as people who think we have all the answers. The common stereotype is that Christians are obnoxious, condescending, and on top of all that, hypocritical. Always wanting to talk, never wanting to listen. We're more interested in getting our view across than understanding where others may be coming from. Now, as a generalization, I think this is unfair to many who may not fit that stereotype. Many Christians are not this way at all. But in this cultural environment, we should be especially careful how we come across. We need to be studiously careful not to reinforce the popular stereotype. Well, how do we do that? A few years back, there was an excellent article in the magazine Christianity Today, Why We Argue Best With Our Mouths Shut. It opens with a comment from Tim Keller, who, until his retirement, led a large New York City church known for its effective outreach to religiously unaffiliated people. He was asked to share his thoughts on how Christians could do better at connecting with skeptics. And here's what he said, quote, We could do a far better job of patiently listening. And we should not talk until we can represent the skeptic's viewpoint with empathy so that a skeptic friend says, Yes, that's my hang-up. I couldn't have put it better myself. Only then should we try to recommend the Christian faith to them. End quote. Persuasion begins here. I listened to a panel discussion as part of a webinar recently. Kevin Palau, the son of the late Louis Palau, a world-famous evangelist, was talking about how the cultural climates changed for evangelism. He had a unique way of describing evangelism. Quote, Evangelism is joining the Holy Spirit in a conversation he's already having with someone. End quote. Well, how are we going to know what the Spirit of God might be doing in someone else's head and heart unless we ask some questions and listen carefully? Among his other comments, he said this, quote, Tension drops when people feel heard. Ask questions and care about the answers, end quote. Todd Hunter, the former CEO of Alpha USA, said something similar, quote, I'm willing to bet the farm that in our postmodern society, the most important evangelistic skill is listening, end quote. Well, there's a common theme here, obviously. The best witnesses for Christ in our postmodern, post-Christian culture don't start by talking. They start by listening. The best witnesses use their ears first and their mouths later. Persuasion begins here. Well, we've looked at four examples of how listening is the first step we should take in a variety of situations if we're going to convince people that we care and people don't 
care what we know until they know that we care. Listening is the first step. But this involves us in a troubling dilemma. How can we avoid using the power of listening in a manipulative way? Do we listen because we care? Or do we listen because we have an agenda? I'll be back in just a few moments to address this issue. Doug Pollock is the evangelism trainer for Athletes in Action, and he wrote a brilliant little book entitled God's Space. It explains how we can have everyday conversations with others that lead naturally to deeper spiritual conversations. At the risk of oversimplifying his approach, it begins by asking good, thoughtful questions and active listening. But Pollock anticipates a problem, and it needs addressed as part of this episode here. When we use the soft power of listening as a persuasion technique, we run the very real risk of coming across as manipulative and inauthentic. In other words, are we listening because we're really interested in the other person and what they have to say, or are we listening because we have an ulterior motive, an agenda? And the conversation simply serves as a means to an end, to get us to the point where we get what we want out of the other person. Are we only listening because we want to make the sale, diffuse the anger, change a person's point of view? Pollock recalls a scene from the movie The Big Kahuna. Bob is a salesman. He tends to steer conversation so he can get to talk about what he believes or what he wants to sell. Here's the advice he's given in the movie by another older salesman. Quote, If you want to talk to somebody honestly as a human being, ask him about his kids. Find out what his dreams are. Just to find out for no other reason. Because as soon as you lay your hands on a conversation to steer it, it's not a conversation anymore. It's a pitch. And you're not a human being. You're a marketing rep. End quote. Using listening skills to make a pitch is not the point of this episode. Persuasion most often does begin with listening. Listening well does have soft power. It prepares the ground for persuasion, but persuasion should not be our primary reason for listening well. We, we listen well because we genuinely care about the other person. We listen well because people are important, whether or not they buy from us, agree with our politics or theology, or continue to be mad at us. People are important for their own sake, not as a means to our end. The primary reason for listening well is because we genuinely care about others. Persuasion is a secondary byproduct. Frankly, despite what I've said, I, I don't think it's quite possible to leave our agenda entirely at the door of any conversation. We are who we are. We're, we're people with convictions and opinions, with experiences, with cultural biases, and with needs and ambitions of our own. We can't leave these at the door of every conversation. 
I want people to calm down when they're angry with me. I want people to buy from me if I'm a salesman. I want people to share my beliefs about God, politics, and sports teams. We can't enter a conversation and leave all this at the door. We'd be liars to insist we can all leave our agendas behind in our conversations. The crucial point that needs to be made here, however, is this. Caring is primary. Persuasion is secondary. Be a caring human being first. Be a sales rep, a distant second. People won't care what we know until they know that we care. Don't just pretend to be listening. Really pay attention. Don't just pretend to be inquisitive. Be genuinely curious. Don't just pretend to care. Let the other person's story touch your heart. Listening well means to put the other person and their needs first. Our own agenda needs to take a backseat. Remember the pyramid we visualized at the beginning of this episode? Below the narrow top section is the wide expanding foundation. Respect, warmth, empathy, love. These are qualities every human being craves. If there's any hope of changing someone's mind, the change must start here. And if there's any hope of living together despite our differences, it, it's got to start here as well. Goodwill, respect, and affection are what win the hearts of people and make friends. You've seen the lists, I'm sure. The 10 most admired people in the world. They come out annually. There are the usual suspects, political leaders, movie stars, athletes, and religious leaders. It's not surprising, though, that many of these stars have also made significant efforts in the area of philanthropy and social activism. The stars have also been servants. For the longest time, Mother Teresa was at the top of the list. We admire people who share a portion of their time, resources, talents, and energy in the service of others. We're won over by those who give it themselves. We're won over by those who love. Persuasion starts here. Moving to the microcosm of conversations, when another person senses that you genuinely care about them, they begin to be won over. Their hearts are softened toward you. It doesn't mean they'll change the way they believe or behave. It does mean you've begun to win a friend. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians, he used this strategy. There was conflict in the church. Well, what was the solution? Quote, Love one another. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Don't look out just for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. End quote. This translates pretty quickly into conversations. It sounds like a recipe for listening well to me. Take an interest in others. Listen well. Don't just talk about yourself. Pay attention to what's happening in the lives of others. Listen patiently and sympathetically, and you begin to heal relationships and to win friends. Persuasion begins here. I've shared the story before, but the lesson was life-changing for me, and it bears repetition, I suppose. In one of the churches where I first served as pastor, I was facing a great challenge because some of the previous ministers had not been able to get along with the people in the church. 
and I was given some advice by the custodian when I first arrived. Andy, he said, if you love these people, they'll love you. I took it to heart, and it worked. When people believe that you are their true friend, that you have their best interests at heart, it removes an incredible number of barriers. This kind of caring begins with listening well. Being heard is so close to being loved that most people can't tell the difference. Persuasion begins here. This is soft power at work. Well, we've covered a lot of bases already in this series on listening. But in our next episode, I'll be looking at how the soft power of listening can make a difference in specific and practical ways in marriage, family, workplace, leadership, and friendships. After all, our relationships are the most important part of our lives. And one of the most important factors in healthy relationships is whether or not we've learned to listen well. Be sure to subscribe. And also, I encourage you to share this link with others who may benefit from this podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you've been encouraged that we are destined for more than what we've become. This is from the Heart of a Friend.